Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is an EastEnders legend, an Albert Square resident of almost 20 years. He's also no stranger to a sequin, having sung and danced her way across the West End stage and into the Strictly Finals in 2019. Kicking off her career in TV after graduating from the Guildford School of Acting, it wasn't long before she spanned herself in Albert Square, joining the cast of EastEnders in 2005 as the always lovable Honey Mitchell, before going her own way in 2008 and landing back in the square with Honey's return in 2014, where she's been ever since. Outside of Walford, she's an incredibly talented musical performer, starring in West End productions from Chicago to Greece and touring the country in favourites like One Man, Two Governors. And then, of course, there's Strictly, which in 2019 gave the British public a reason to fall in love with her all over again, but this time as herself, as she waltzed, tangoed, quick-stepped, and passadoblade her way into the runners-up spot, losing out to friend of the podcast, Kelvin Fletcher. I cannot wait to dial her up. We have so many good friends in common. Let's say hi. Emma Barton! Hello, hello, hello! Hello, hello. My God, we do have so many friends in common. Oh my goodness, it's unbelievable. I feel like I know you and yet we don't. We, we need to meet, quite frankly, because we ha- I don't understand why we haven't. We've got, honestly, uh, the longest list of mutual friends, haven't we? It's, uh... I mean, it's something that I blame the pandemic. Otherwise, I think we would be. Yeah. Well, you know, let's put something in the diary. I'm coming round. I'm coming round to yours for a curry. Right. Because I was just chatting to you. So this is who would be at our mutual friends table if I was to have a curry night. Uh, Because the last person to do that was your friend of mine, Hannah Waddingham, who just, I mean, just glorious rise to success on Ted Lasso. But then, of course, you know, Tam, Tam's in Outhwaite. Lisa Faulkner. Lisa Faulkner. Um, Would you know Denise Welsh? I have met lovely Denise, yeah, a few times on Loose Women. She's just a dream. I love her. Don't know her She's really well. She's a dream. Well. So she, oh, you'd love her at the curry table. <laughs> you'd love her at the curry table. I mean, and, and we could go on. It's so nice to talk to you. Uh, I think I'm talking to you in front of what it looks like the green room at EastEnders. Is that right? We, we I am in... Um, 
uh, one of the offices uh, in EastEnders, sort of uh, where, where the important people live. So um, I, I've just snuck in because I'm filming later on after speaking to you. So behind me, I've got like this wonderful wall of sort of uh, photos over the over the years. I mean, Emma, I can't believe how long you've been a part of the show. It is, I mean, it's 20 years. It's a lot. It is crazy. And I think actually going back to lovely Waddy Woo, I think she was one of the first people I called um, when I first got the job. So, yeah, that was 2005. And um, it was a Friday evening. And, um, you know, you know what the auditions are like and you're going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And it came down to myself and the wonderful actress, Nikki Wardley, who your listeners might know from like Catherine Tate show and she's done loads of stuff. Yeah. Um, she's just a gorgeous person. And I remember us going in on the Friday um, and we had to do a, a screen test in the Vic and Perry was there and Shane Ritchie. And so we did our audition and went home. And Julia Crampsey, the casting director, um, called Perry and said, pal, we're going to, we've decided to go with Emma. And he said, do us a favour, mate. He said, pick up the phone and phone her. Because it's a Friday, she's going to be absolutely, you know, beside herself all weekend. Phone her now. Don't leave it till Monday. Phone her now. And she did. And oh. Because it's true. You know, when you're waiting Isn't on a it? job, it's all you think about. And you, and you start, you know, fast forwarding. What if I, if I get it, this is going to happen. If I don't get it, that's going to happen. So to get that call on that Friday, I think it was past six o'clock, past office hours. The agents are ready, you know, to go home. And I remember I was, um, yeah, I, I just was beside myself and I just paced my bedroom, you know, for about four hours. And I remember calling Waddy, actually, and she was like, oh, my God, your life's going to change. And God, didn't it? <laughs> That's exactly how she sounds. It's exactly how she sounds. That is a very good impression. Because at that time, I mean, how you would have known Hannah would have been through, what, the West End? Because, I mean, you were pretty prolific as was she, and is she in, in on the West End circle. Yeah, we... Um met uh, when we took over for the last six months at the Dominion Theatre doing Grease. And she was cast as Rizzo and I was cast as Marty. And so we were replacing two of the actors in that. And we were doing the last run, at the, uh, uh, so it closed. And um, we had about two weeks rehearsals. And uh, so we just literally were together 24-7 for that two weeks. And we got to know, and we just literally, like two peas in a pod, we just, 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 just got on brilliantly and um I remember so we had a bit of lunch so we'd done uh, all our rehearsals we were opening on the Monday and on the Friday you know we had two dress rehearsals and then see you later in on Monday for the actual show and we had a little spot of lunch in a little cafe I don't think it's still there now in Victoria this is it's, it's true what they say about karma there was and I've never done it since actually I have learned there was um, somebody, probably someone we wanted to avoid coming towards us. I'm being very careful what I say here. Because okay. he wasn't, yeah, he looked a little bit unsavoury. Let's put it that way. And I sort of said something, comedy to Hannah. But as I said it, fell off the curb, which <laughs> fell off the curb and fucked my ankle up royally. So before you open the show. Yeah. So this was on the Friday, late Friday afternoon. We were just about uh, to go in for notes to say, see you later, have a lovely weekend. You start Monday, you open. And my ankle just was like, and just blew up. And that was me. I was done. So I was off the show for three weeks. I didn't have my opening night no. with Hannah. She took all the glory. <laughs> I just had to go back in. Retail between my legs. So I've never, ever done that since. I just, you know, will never say anything. A little bit naughty. You, fa you face planted I almost. face planted. That's comical. Yeah, it was awful. And yeah. <laughs> but we had the best time. And yeah, we're still like the best of friends now. So yeah, it was... It was Good, good times. Yeah, that was about 20 years ago. Crazy. Blimey. And do you share the same sort of like mad, crazy excitement that I do watching Hannah's star rise? Because her talent is extraordinary, as you know only too well. But it's that brilliant showbiz story of that should go down in, in the sort of showbiz history books of sometimes 
it just happens. And, you know, your stars align and somebody comes in and speaks up for you and says, no, I want her. Like Jason Sudeikis did with her for Ted Lasso. And it changed everything. And now everybody gets to see everything we knew she had to yeah, offer. absolutely. And it opens the door for other performers yeah, from the hope. West End. You're like, what she's doing is, oh, yeah. doesn't it just? And for a woman in her 40s, yeah. who's not a big marquee name at that point, absolutely is now it's just marvelous in there and a single mum I mean it's like yeah everything and, and and she so deserves it and that the speech she gave on you know when she won the Emmy and and said you know please just remember us musical theatre performance give us a chance and it's wonderful how you know when we first met 20 years ago the industry you were sort of pigeonholed you were oh you're a musical theatre mm. actress and 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 you're not going to cross over to tv and film it was a re- it was really difficult but when i whenever i see her and and you know go seeing her over in la being interviewed and you know the award ceremony i just I sob know. and and it's lovely when when i was doing strictly she would just every weekend every saturday would or every sunday after she'd watched the show on the saturday she'd always be in tears just going oh, you look so lovely and your dress was so gorgeous <laughs> so we've just got that appreciation <laughs> it, it's just and and for each other and and yeah it does give give us hope and so you should never give up on your dreams that's that you know that's true you really isn't shouldn't. it you really shouldn't because um, what was so frustrating, I think, for so long was that stars of the West End, you know, the triple threats, the likes of you and Hannah that can sing, dance, act, uh, would never get the opportunity to, you know, move out of their lane. It was very much you pick musical theatre or or television or drama, or, you know, or film. But actually, then lots of people that were had a profile from television and film could open a West End show. So they were allowed to kind of cross-pollinate your world, but not the, it was one-way traffic. And I think, you know, women like you and Hannah have proof that actually you can do it all. I mean, the, some of the stuff you've played in EastEnders has been gritty, heavy, heartbreaking. You can't do that if all you've got is jazz yeah. hands. And I think deep down in, in I sort of knew that... Um, I felt when I first started off, I, I wasn't, again, I've got quite a funny story today. I, I wasn't the jazz hands. I, I, I trained in musical theatre, but I never thought I was good enough. So I was, I had a great singing voice, but I didn't have the strongest. Uh, I could move, but I wasn't the best dancer. But I loved acting. And I sort of looked a dancery sort of West End sort of performer. So, but I loved doing comedy. So I was stuck in a really sort of hard, not, not, I just didn't know where to go and, and how to do it. And mm. um, I remember I, was, I did a lot of um, workshops for musical theatres and, and, and shows like that, but I knew I wasn't going to get that leading role because I, I just didn't think I, I, I wasn't in that bracket. So I thought I need to try and change. I need to try and change and get into straight theatre or or into television. And it was so difficult, like I say, at that time. Mm. So we're talking, yeah, I would say sort of uh, late 90s. And it just so happened I had the most wonderful agent, Barry Burnett, very famous agent. And I was so lucky to have um, been signed on by him from my um, showcase uh, that I did. Finishing at, at school, drama school, at yes. School. And um, my, 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 my teacher at the time wanted me to do a very beautiful romantic ballad that would suit a beautiful soprano singer. That, And I knew I was a bit more edgy. I, I was, I don't think I could head it off, but I, give me a character song. So I, I wanted to do Sondheim. I wanted to do Sunday in the Park with George. My teacher, musical theatre teacher said, no, no it's, it's hard. You won't be able to do it. And my singing teacher said she can and fought, fought, fought for me. And I did it. And I, I, I got Barry Burnett from that. So, yeah, I, I was because it was the acting sort of comedic. It, I didn't have to sound pretty. And uh, but I wanted to show that sort of that sort of side. And. Yeah, I, I, so I'm, div- I'm, I'm diverting here, but um... no, you're not actually. You're, you're you're walking straight into what would be my first question because I wanted to talk to you about the people that have played the most extraordinary hand in in getting you to where you are now. So, should we pick it up with that? Yeah, let's do it. If you were casting the story of your life, who would form the central cast? 
And why are they so seminal to your story? And who would you cast to play them? Well, I mean, like I said, someone like Peter Roberts, when it, where it all started at drama school, who had that belief in me that I could, I didn't, he wanted me to push myself and do what I wanted to do to showcase what I could give. So he, he was so important and I thank him so much because if I hadn't have sung Sunday in the Park with George at the Criterion back in 1998, I wouldn't have got this agent, Barry Burnett. So, um, and Barry Burnett was a bit of a game changer for you, right? Because that, that, that name lends weight. Yeah. That, oh my that goodness. Opened I, I remember, I remember when I had, I had my meeting and we were given this calendar of who he rep- represented and, and, and Barbara Windsor was one of them as well. So it's weird how it, it all sort of intertwines, doesn't it? Um, so uh, casting wise, I think someone like Peter Roberts, I love, and I, I actually haven't watched it yet, but I follow him on Instagram, is that wonderful actor called um, Harry Trevaldwin. So I def because he's very flamboyant and very camp and brilliant. So I definitely can uh, cast him right. as my musical theatre teacher. Um, and yes, Barry Burnett, yeah, a lot to thank for. Although, bless him, when I decided that I wanted to try and stay out of musical theatre and venture into sort of the acting television um, side of the business of show, um, I did a play at the Millet Sonning and another agent came to watch. And he sort of was sniffing around and sort of said, oh, you know, I'd quite like to represent you. And sort of, I did sort of some homework and I was like, oh, well, he's quite different. He's more act, he's more TV. And I thought, oh, maybe I should just go and just see what he's about. So I had a meeting. Unfortunately, but fortunately, um, he said, oh, at this time, I don't think we can represent you. So sent all my headshots and my CVs back to Barry Burnett instead of my home address. Oh, yes. no. And so... <laughs> oh, God. It was this awful. It's like a sitcom it... moment where we have to can the laughter because <laughs> it's not funny. I just got this phone call <gasps> saying, ah, um, yes, you've, you've been to... Um, seek new representation I'm sorry and I know about it so we're gonna have to say goodbye to you Emma and so I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god I didn't mean it I sort of I just wanted to see what was you know what was out there you know you have to push yourself you have to you you are your own business so you know I thought I was doing the right thing oh please forgive me absolutely not happening (laughs) so I phoned (laughs) no So I'm like 20. Oh, I know, no, my toes are curling. Oh, how old oh. must I have been? I must have been about 23, 24. And I was, uh, yeah, 24, 25, um, without an agent. So I was like, oh, oh, I don't know what to do. And you've lost one of the best, best in the business. In the He's basically. Industry, yes. So I thought, well. It's like your husband finding a pair of, I don't know, you know, underpants under your pillow in your bed because you've cheated on him. <laughs> up there with that it was it? pretty damn bad but agent style so I was like well I'll phone this other agent to say what has happened just to say please don't do that again to somebody else because you know it, it, it it's devastating I have now lost at my agent because that that paperwork has been sent to the wrong address he was like oh my goodness and I think they had a temp in the office at that time and that's how it sort of happened so he said well I'll tell you what I will take you on. So he then did take me on. <laughs> and the first audition oh I got... God, is a happy ending. And the first audition I got was for Honey Mitchell. No! And then I got the job. Shut so up. isn't it weird? It's really weird how some things, the universe, it was awful. And can I just say, Barry Burnett and I have, we've made friends of, he's a darling and I, I've got so much to thank him for and it's everything's all good. But it happens, doesn't it? We all move on in life and we check, you know, that's yeah. what happens in, in, oh in our God. industry. But it just wasn't That is the like losing way. everything and then winning everything back in, in such a short and intense and awful period of time. <laughs> I know. So really, Honey was your first I proper know. your first proper job in telly. That was it. You went for one audition, you got it. Yes, and it was. Blimey. And you loved the show, didn't you? Yeah. You were a uh, proper fan. Yeah, and it's weird because I didn't like now. I'm I'm really into things like manifesting, and 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 I think as we get older, you sort of educate yourself on the way of the mm. world and how things and things are meant to be for a reason and and happen for a reason and karma and everything. Um, but I didn't realise I was must have been about seven years old when East Enders started in 1985, and I was obsessed with it and had you know the photo albums where you uh, peel back the cellophane. Yeah. 
with the glue. And then, so I would cut out, because we didn't have the magazines back then, did we? Like all the showbiz magazines, it was all just the, the, the papers. So I'd cut out any clippings about EastEnders and put in this brown photo album, in this massive, deep photo it. album. Now when I look back, I, man- I must have manifest this job. That is, that is your manifestation right there. So who would play the agent that took you on and who would play Barry? Oh, crikey. Um, the agent that took me on, um, I, uh, I think it would have to be someone like Bill Nye, actually. I could see, yeah, Phil Nye, Barry Burnett. I think it's had to be, have someone like the fabulous Jim Broadbent. But what about the people that might have helped you before you even made it into theatre school? Like this, this is the story of your life. Who were the who were the players that got you that far? Well, my parents were just, you know, they 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 are my world, and they they just have been behind me all the way. And I don't come from an acting background, you know, I just. My dad was a mechanic, um, my mum was a secretary, and then um, back in the day, and I just loved um, sort of a bit of a typical Leo, really. I like to sort of show off. <laughs> and so I used to make up routines to the Nolans and Bucksphere's and stuff, and I just, yeah, I just loved performing. And so my parents sort of, we had a little amateur dramatics locally near to me, and uh, so they sort of sent me off on a Monday evening like for a couple of hours, and I just, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. They, they, there were, there wasn't anything that they sort of said. You know, you must have a backup plan. They, I think they just let me be me, and um, and that's what I, I might, you know, thank them so much for that. Just being normal and down to earth, and just let's see what happens. And they had no idea about drama school or theatre. I think they, I think. They went to see a production of Les Mis and they and they loved it and we used to listen to it on cassette in the car and I think again that I, I then just copied how you know uh, Patti Lapone sang and people like yeah. that and and it's... so they've really influenced me and so they they are definitely the reason I'm I'm doing what I'm doing now that that that's it that's 100%. lovely. Charlie Brooks was on the show and she was talking about how she won a place a drama school quite young and her mum and dad were so supportive of it. Again, no sort of background in acting yeah. or theatre. And they, she moved to London, her mum moved to London with Charlie and kind of, you know, set up home here to get her through. And like really, I mean, the sacrifice was huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leaving her dad back home and um, yeah. But when you can see something in your child and it gives them joy. You want them to eat it up, don't you? And yeah. you know, I mean, they shower were, in it. They were they they they. I think they remortgaged their house, you know, to get to pay for drama school because you know it wasn't cheap. And so your yeah, mom and dad did, yes, just to get me through. <gasps> and um, I mean, when I was at drama school, I would have two or three part-time jobs um, to just because we we we. we we weren't wealthy. We didn't come from a wealthy background. So, you know, we're just mm. just doing what we can. So I feel very fortunate now I can treat them and, and you know, take them to all the, you know, strictly for them was just a, a amazing. They, uh-huh. they, they've supported me. And I remember we were, Perry and I were nominated one year for a BAFTA in EastEnders for the Down Syndrome storyline. And they came and stood outside with the rest of the public to watch us do the red carpet. You know, they just... For them, that, that, that their memories that will stay with them forever, and so it's lovely. But I will say, so yeah, I would, I would have to say, so if I had to cast them, I think my dad, I yeah. would cast someone like Hugh Bonneville as my dad, and my mum is so glam. <laughs> she's so glam. She's ridiculous. She looks about twenty years younger than she she is, um, and she's classy and but but strong. I would say so. I'm someone like Helen Mirren. <laughs> Nice. nice. It's going nice. to be a good show, I reckon. What you know, this, this story the, the of my life. Is... <laughs> and I would I'd, I'd definitely get someone really talented, uh, much more talented than me, and much more beautiful than me to <laughs> to play me. Um, someone. I was like... going to say that's my last question on this one: is like, <laughs> who's going to play you? Well, um, I do you know. I, I do love. I do oh, love Jenna. Coleman. Jenna would be good. Get Waddy in to play herself, and then we might win an award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring in Hannah. Yeah. She can cover the early years. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Yes, you can. I love this. Thank you so much. That is uh, that's really really insightful. Who you know, it's all about the people that helped you to get to who you are. It is. It, it really is. It's amazing. I remember one of my very first jobs, Kate, was um, I, I was out of I left drama school and I didn't work for about sixteen months. And a lot of my friends at college at that year was, were auditioning and, and, and getting jobs. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm really struggling here. And my first job was for the RSC, which isn't bad going. And it was with the wonderful uh, Dame Gillian Lynn choreographing and Adrian Noble directing. We did The Secret Garden. And I was um, an ensemble girl. But it wasn't dancey-dancey because at the time it was very acting movement. That's what Adrian wanted. But then as the process went along, um, it then uh, turned into a bit more dancey because they added lots more music into some of the ensemble sh uh, um, ensemble pieces. Now, Jilly put me, Jilly and Lynn put me at the front in the rehearsal room, um, but as the rehearsal process went along, she realised I wasn't the dancer that she thought because I was tall <laughs> and I was turned out. So I ended up at the back. Um, and but she still oh, pushed me. Painful. <laughs> she still she still pushed me. And I remember opening night, we were having drinks, and Gillian Lynn was standing talking to the wonderful Charles Dance. Wow. And me and my Thank friend you. in the ensemble, Daniel, Daniel Hinchliffe, who was the best dancer in the company, and I looked up to, and he always helped me when I couldn't remember the steps. And um Gillian introduced Daniel to Charles Dance, and she said, uh, Charles, this is Daniel, the most wonderful dancer, uh, the best dancer in this production. And um, and this is Emma, nice face, but not one of our best dancers. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, I need to. But do you know what, though? It made me, <laughs> it was such a brilliant story, but it just made me think, oh, I need to try harder. And do you know, when I, when I then got Strictly <laughs> and I got to the final, I thought, I really hope Dame Gillian Lynn is looking down on me going, you smashed it, girl. So I've got a lot to thank her for. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. Oh, well, I, do you know what? I would quite gladly sit down and give 90 minutes of my eyes and ears to watching your life story. <laughs> oh, good. <so> great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, are you ready for your next question? Yes. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I wanted to talk about acting as a profession because when you put it down on paper, um, it sounds like a madness. It's got a potentially 95% unemployment rate in a profession where you're told no way more than you ever hear yes. And arguably, you probably stand a better chance of making a living as a gambler. Yeah, and yet for you, it's really, it really, I mean, like when you look at the odds, you're like, they're not great. No. But it's really paid off for you in an abundance. And I wondered what else do you do or pursue in life that makes absolutely no sense on paper and yet makes total sense to you? 
Oh, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, I, I, I must admit, with this industry, it, it does it, 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 it does have its benefits and um, and especially now, as, as the years have gone by with, it, with the social media and everything, it does give you a platform to, to do other things. And um, I love getting involved with... Uh, charities i love talking about animals I, I you know and things like that um it doesn't give it doesn't give me anything financially or anything because i just do it for the love of it no but it just gives me so much joy to work alongside the dementia charities and down syndrome charities i mean i'm never going to run a marathon again ever i did that for you did for didn't you for barbara <laughs> For, for, Barbara. for Barbara Windsor and for yeah for, for on, on Scott's team and a few of us at EastEnders lot and oh, oh it was tough we we I think don't you get sort of like a year's training if you're going to do something like that and I think we ended normally up what did you get three months and yeah my body was lying so Jamie and Borthwick and I decided to have a pack that we would run together so we both had dodgy knees so we were like no um if one of us wants to stop, I'm with you. So, but we did it. We did get around there. I mean, we were about. It did take us about six days, but we did it. But, um... <laughs> but, you're but right. if yeah. you're not a natural runner and you don't love it, then that on paper is a madness. Running a marathon with three <laughs> know, months right? training. <laughs> Crazy. My knee just blew up like a balloon. So, but yeah, it is madness on paper. And talking of madness on paper, another thing that I'm just really. I, I, you know, people must think I'm bonkers, but I can't, I'm not very, I'm, I'm a bit of a technophobe. I'm not very good at, everyone here now at EastEnders, a majority of people have all their scripts on their iPads or make notes on their phone. And I'm still one of these Filofax girls. Are you? And I have to just write everything down and just draw a line, make my shopping list. I'm one of these people that gets the trolley and I put my little piece of paper under the yeah. under the flip. But listen, I'm with you. Look, this is my paper diary. I have an electronic diary as well. Um, I live out of notes. And I'm yeah. And then just in case that runs dry, I've got a handbag size one that goes everywhere with me too. That that Fear not my friend. You're in good company. Oh I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased to see that. Because I some people some of the, the young ones here look at me as, as if so, what the hell is that? I mean it's like <laughs> so thick pile of packs with my little <gasps> crazy. I wouldn't be without it though. So I need yeah, that's madness on paper. And also instead of going to the gym, I'll just if I want to release some endorphins, I will watch carry on films on a loop. You love them, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Is that it a makes kind me of... feel good? Is Barbara Windsor in carry-on movie mode your kind of spirit animal? Am I right? Absolutely. So I was beside myself when I actually got to meet her. And she was so brilliant because if I could, you know, there's some, some actors don't like to talk about necessarily things that happened years ago, but she loved it. She would tell me all the stories about her and Kenny Williams and, and things like that. And I just, I, I just, it was a dream. I can't, I still now go, oh my God, I worked with Dame Barbara Windsor. Babs in camping. She is like an anecdote I mean, jukebox, isn't she? I, she really is. You just put the, put the penny yeah. in and out it comes. And it's from everything from, you know, gangland London and the West End in the sixties to carry on movies and, yeah, I mean, she just, she just did, yeah, she was an extraordinary woman. And to, if you loved her like yeah. that from afar, it must have been so exciting to get to love her up close. Absolutely. And learn from her. I mean, I mean, we all, anyone that worked with Barbara, we would learn so much, her work ethic. And um, if I can, uh, I've said this to Scott. Yeah, I've said, that, uh, if I can, uh, if I can be, have a small bit of what Barbara had and continue that, work ethic I'll die happy because I just think it's just it's just lovely to see that it's you know the industry does change everything changes doesn't it it's because you know moves on it's, it's inevitable but you know there is still that part which is so important in our job I think and she would talk to absolutely everybody yeah. you know from whether it being royalty to the dustman you know and she would she would give you her time and uh, I remember watching we went to go and see the bodyguard in the West End um me her and Scott and the interval well she didn't have an interval she couldn't go for a week couldn't get an ice cream couldn't get 
a gin, <laughs> um, not that she drank, but um, because the, the queue of people in the auditorium just wanting to have a piece of her or say hello or say how much I love or have a picture, and she did, and she, she did, you'd never hear her complain. And no. I just love that, and I, 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 I want to mirror that. Yeah, she always had time for people, didn't she? And she understood that every fan for that moment, that was that was a snapshot that they would take away and dine out on forever. And she understood the value of that for people, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. What an amazing mentor to be able to sort of work closely with and around. Yeah, absolutely. No, really, really I'm just so grateful that I, I had that experience and opportunity. When, when we talk about the madness of acting and um, how precarious it is as a career has that been you know it sounds like you know your first job in theatre was for the Royal Shakespeare Company your first audition for telly you landed and got EastEnders it sounds like it's been relatively smooth sailing but or plain sailing rather but has that been the case because I know most actors will talk of massive chunks of time where they're out of work or that one role that they really wanted just slipped through their fingers and went somewhere else you know oh yeah um it's it's always I've always had a little bit of a fight on my hands. So uh, you know, in the early years, I was always uh, I'd I'd get down to sort of like, especially in theatre land, it was you know you get down recall after recall, and then to the finals. Um, and I remember being in the finals for the original cast of Mamma Mia, and um, uh, sang in front of um, you know Abba, <laughs> Benny and Bjorn, woo, Benny and Bjorn, and uh, and it didn't happen. You know, you, oh, and it's it's so tough, but you just, it's amazing. You just get that fire in your belly and going, right, well, it wasn't meant to be, it'd be something else. And um, yeah, and then there was a period sort of in, in the early uh, 2000s is where after EastEnders, I, I did Chicago for a couple of years. And then and then I just didn't, and work sort of dried up for about three years. Um, and that was tough. And um, that's a long time. It was a long time. Uh, it just was like I, I just needed to get out and do something and also earn some money. Um, and so I went back and worked in a clothes shop that I used to work in when I was at drama school. And, Good for you. Uh, I, I went back and worked. Yeah, I worked for them. Um, and I actually, there was only a few times I'd got, I got recognised. Um, but I, it, it didn't happen. It was quite good, really. So I could just, but it just got me out and it got me earning. And and, and then I, I just did that. And then luckily the audition came for Dolly in One Man, Two Governors. And I remember going to see it in, in the West End and Angela Griffin was playing Dolly. I was like, oh my God, that part is a fantastic. I'd love to play that part. And then the tour was announced and I went to the audition and I did get it. So then, then that... I got that, and so I was then on the road for a good year with with the National Theatre doing that, and I just thank goodness. But yeah, three years was a long time, and but I never gave up. I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. And then I came back to Enders. Um, Dominic Treadwell Collins gave me a call and said, "Oh, would you like to come back for a few months?" And then <laughs> it wasn't a few months. It's now been seven years. <laughs> wow. So, um, Wow. But and, and, and during that time, during those three years, I mean, you, you clearly kept your spirits high and you went out and did, you know, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And there was absolutely nothing but, you know, pride attached to that because that's what everybody should do in those moments. But it can't have been easy at times, those moments where it's just you on your own with your thoughts and you're sort of going, it's been two and a half years, you know. Yeah, I, I did find it really tough. And um I, I, I'm more of a happy person than I am a sad person. But there are times when you just used to shut your bedroom door and go, please, please, somebody help, help, help me because I, I don't know what's happening with my life because I'm, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I felt alone. But yeah. I knew I just had to just keep, keep going. And so keep up with reading what was going on currently going to see as much as I could in the theatre, just keeping my hand in. But um, it is crazy. It, you know, there was a time where I was just like, I, I, I'm going to have to give up. I'm going to have to give up. But I didn't want to. And I was I was just holding on by a thread, just going, I'm, I'm going to still persevere. And it's, yeah, it, it did pay off. But it, it does leave you feeling very sort of alone and 
like, what am I going to do? And actually, it's, I suppose, well, you can't, tough, you know, over the two years, a lot of people have had where they mm. lost their jobs and couldn't go anywhere and stuck in a groundhog day being in the four walls and not going out and earning a living doing what you want to do in your craft. It can yeah. be tough, but... I'm still here as I just hand. You are more than just here, <laughs> trust me. And so you go back and you get a great show um, with the National Theatre. I mean, you talk, um, Ange, it's another friend that we'd have in common, Angela Griffin, uh, who played Dolly. Um, that James Corden was in the lead role then. But then, and this is another great example of one of those kind of stars aligning moments. But um, James Corden had to step down. He was ill, I think. And his understudy yeah. gets the big break. And yeah. he's a guy that's been struggling for years and years to kind of, you know, pop. Angela Griffin's yeah. best mate, Owine, who is now about yeah. to star in a huge Amazon series that's uh, the remake <gasps> of Lord of the Rings. Wonderful. Oh, yes. that's amazing. He's like the male Hannah Waddingham. You see, this is why you should never give up. This is why I love these stories and it's so true. And it, you know, if, I, I would have loved to have heard those stories when I was sitting in my bedroom at that time when I wasn't getting any, any work or any auditions because that's, but maybe I sort of subconsciously did know those stories and that's what stop, didn't make me stop from believing, you know, and to keep, keep, keep going, just keep going. But you know what? Congratulations to you for sticking in there and, and staying true to you and not being... Um, afraid to go out there and and have to pick up where you left off with old jobs just to just to buy you some time mm. uh, because it more than paid off in the end, didn't it? And it here has. you are, all these years later. Yeah, it has. you're one of those stories now, Emma. That's great. You're one of those stories you <laughs> yeah. needed to hear. Yeah, maybe <laughs> definitely. Are. Okay, time for our third and final question. I wanted to talk to you about the possibility of being stuck in a moment. If you could select one moment from across your life that you had to replay on a loop to kind of infinity and beyond, what moment would it be and why are you so happy to dive back in and stay stuck in it? Oh, such a good question and it's really hard to answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, recently, I would say... <laughs> Um, singing, I was asked um, to sing at Buckingham Palace uh, for the 75th BE Day celebrations. And I nearly fell off my chair when the phone call came in. And uh, because I love history, I love the monarchy, I love anything like that. I'm, I've always, always have done. And to actually go to Buckingham Palace and sing. That was just, for me, a real moment that I was absolutely buzzing. And um, yeah, that was, that would be lovely every time, you know, just, you just, I just, I felt, I felt like a princess and uh, it was just amazing that just feel that wow. you, you what did achieved you think? something huge. Oh, we did sort of like roll out the barrel and um, <laughs> all those sort of um, old sort of happy, you know, East End sort of uh, knees up Mother Brown sort of type songs. And it was great. I did it, I sung with Shane actually, Shane Ritchie. And it was just lovely to be asked. And I remember just, we were just sat both Shane and I sort of in this this room and um, uh, we saw the wonderful actor, Adrian Lester. He came in and he'd just done a solo. And I was just like, bloody hell, this is, um, this is amazing. You know, oh my God, little old me, pompy <laughs> girl. And um, is now singing at Buckingham Palace. This is crazy. So actually, I would say, yeah, that, uh, my first day on set here at EastEnders, that, yeah. that's uh, something I'd love to play on loop because at that time, back in 2005, we had Wendy Richard, Barbara Windsor, Pam St. Clement, all, all those wonderful, iconic legends um, in that scene on that day. And uh, so, yeah, that was pretty pretty damn special i'd like to play that on a loop forever that's an epic scene to be walking into are you kidding me you must have been <gasps> terrified talk about poo your pants poo <laughs> your pants <laughs> it couldn't be like your first day just sort of maybe i don't know opening a car door no i was walking through the pub queen big pub doors and seeing going straight up to steve mcfadden 
uh, and asking for an orange juice and thinking, oh my God, I hope he's nice because he's really scary on the television. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he, he was lovely. But yeah, I was just, and just felt like, oh my God. And I remember I've never done much TV. Well, I hadn't really done any TV. And I was standing in front of the cameras. I was so big. I was so like a, a total musical theatre face and cringe when I watch it back now. But um, yeah, to say that I yeah, actually... When you say big, you mean you played it big. You're a little bit extra. Yeah, my, all my facial expression. It was just, it was too theatre, you know, which I mean, you know, like when you're in theatre, you, you have to obviously exaggerate your, your your faces and stuff like that for the people yeah. in the dress circle to see. <laughs> but yeah, I, you don't need to necessarily do that when there's a camera right in your face, but I was doing it or standing <laughs> in front of it. So not a clue. <laughs> Thank God Perry was there holding my hand and has never let it go. He's been my, my rock on this job. He really has. He's a lovely man, isn't he, Perry? Oh, he really is a good egg. He really is. He's funny. He's he's. Yeah, he's just a dream to, to work alongside and I've learned so much from him. So, yeah, but he he was, uh, he was really reassured me on those first few weeks of the show where I was absolutely petrified. And you know, I think it took me about three months to settle thinking, oh, I, was just, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this, but yeah, mm. I'm still here. <laughs> and it's, it's quite something when you drive onto that lot for the first time in that set. I mean... I didn't know what to be more excited about when I first started working at Elstree. I, I was there to present Top of the Pops, which was like, are, are you yeah. kidding me moment? Like, uh, and I'd only been given two hours notice because somebody had gone sick. It's <gasps> the first time I pulled it in. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's That's crazy. You didn't even have time to think about that. So I didn't. Yeah. No, I nothing. I was just literally, can you? I was decorating at home. And Jane Middlemas had gone <gasps> sick. And they were like, can you get to Elstree in two hours? I was like, I've no idea, but yes, I'll be there. And I just grabbed some clothes out of the wardrobe because you didn't have like stylists or anything back then. No. It was all very make-do. And and uh, I, I literally found any way, po I did trains, taxis, everything to get there. But then you pull in and like the bar you go to afterwards is full of the cast of EastEnders and obviously Top of the Pops isn't there anymore. And Albert Square's next door to Top of the Pops. So you'd be hosting the show and you'd have like these big American stars coming in and they'd watched it on BBC America and they were like, can we go to Albert Square? And like you know, the Backstreet Boys <laughs> getting excited or, you know, Bono sort of stood there with Wendy Richards at the bar. <laughs> Just oh, mental, weird. crazy times. Those moments are so sensory, aren't they? Because you grow up watching those shows and then suddenly you're in the show and you're like, oh my God, I'm actually here. I know. I still get it now. Some days you might be like just sort of waiting around for lighting or to do their tweaks or whatever and you just go, oh, isn't it weird? Isn't it really weird I'm stood here right outside the Queen Vic by the laundrette? where June Brown would just stand there, you know, smoking her fags as Doc Cotton, you know, which I would watch. It's just mental. It's crazy. And going talk crossing that, I remember I was really gutted that I wasn't around, but George Michael came and visited the set. And I remember yes. Pe Perry's got a picture of him and George Michael sitting on Arthur's bench in the gardens. I mean, how lovely is that? Uh -huh. I might nick it and put, like, Photoshop it and put my head on it. You should. <laughs> Do it at Snappy Snaps. George would love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emma, it's been so lovely getting to know you. Now I know why we've got so many friends in common because, you know, you're just lovely. And oh, so it's been great. It's great to hear your story because so many people know who you are and, and yet we know relatively little about you, which I commend you on because after 20 years in millions of living rooms, that's some going. But it's been great getting to know you. Thank you. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to come round to yours. For a curry with Waddo. With Waddy Woo Woo. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. That, my friend, is a promise and a date. So not only does Emma Barton play one of the most lovable characters on telly as Honey Mitchell, which you can watch every week on EastEnders on BBC One and iPlayer, but turns out she's even lovelier as an actual self in real life. And if you want to hear more great chat with some of the many people that were mentioned in that conversation, uh, then dive into our back catalogue. Hannah Waddingham's episode uh, is ready for your listening delectation, as is Kelvin Fletcher, who beat her, just pipped her to the post 
on Strictly. Lisa Faulkner's in there alongside Angela Griffin, Tamsin Outhwaite, and some of the other EastEnders legends like Casey Ainsworth. Uh, so dive in, my friends, fill your ears. And as always, thank you so much for loaning them to us for this last hour. The show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Ben Robbins and the Yahoo Studios team. Editing is by Andy Agson, and our music comes courtesy of Andy Bell. I'll be back next Friday with more great chat. Until then, it's been lovely talking to you. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant Glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>